0: Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson.
1: All right, welcome back to Inside Sources. As you can probably hear, I am not Boyd Matheson, but I am Kate Clout, and I'm here with Scott Simpson, and we are filling in today, and we are happy to be with you for the next two-ish hours. And next up, we're going to talk about how Queen Elizabeth passed away yesterday at the age of 96. We talked a little bit about King Charles last segment and what he needed to say to the country in order to kind of assuage those fears. Um, But we're also going to talk about how she wasn't just the Queen of England. She was also the defender of the faith and leader of the Church of England, which is really unique. So we're going to talk about what her legacy will be when it comes to faith and religion.
2: And Kelsey, sorry, Kate, this is an interesting uh, dichotomy for me. My brain is having a hard time wrapping my mind around the notion that... You know the the head of state and the head, and the head of a national national religion, and what that means to sort of regular folks in that country, because here in this country we don 't think that way like and so it's it 's hard for us to 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 have an authentic view of that and and, and I think it 's probably easy for us to just easily dismiss what that what that all means, but we have with us today Kelsey Dallas, who covers religion, politics, the Supreme Court, lots of things she 's associate editor of the Deseret News national edition. Uh, Kelsey, thanks for jumping in and talking to us about this today.
3: Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And I'm really glad that you voiced that confusion because I think that I've been so in the weeds covering religion that I didn't even realize that that would sort of stand out to people. But you're right. I mean, the Church of England is a really interesting um, organization within the world of faith.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, to, to contemplate an analog in our country is sort of impossible, right? We just, I can't even put my arms around it. Can you imagine what would happen if, or what this country <laughs> would be like if we suddenly thought the president or the Speaker of the House or somebody, you know, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court carried the the mantle of, of the leader of our religious, you know, predominant religious faith? That would right. be crazy.
3: It would be like we elect a President Joe Biden, and when he gets to his desk on the first Monday, there's not just this to-do list that says, okay, here's what's going to be in front of Congress, but there's also a list of, like, would you approve these folks for bishop? Like, really, that's the type of decisions that uh, Queen Elizabeth was making alongside um, more secular ones. I think it's hard for us to wrap our minds
1: around, too, because it's almost exactly why we left that country
3: (laughs) to come to the
1: United (laughs) States, right? Right. Freedom from religion. freedom from religion and to worship... How, how you wanted to. And so I think that's a little bit of what plays into our fascination with her role, not only as the head of state, but as the head of this, of this religion. And Kelsey, I want to ask, so she's obviously plays a very public role in terms of her, her job as defender of the faith, but then she's also spoken privately about her faith. Could you kind of walk us through the differences in, in how she's navigated that over the years?
3: Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up because Just by becoming the monarch, she would inherit that title of defender of the faith. But it doesn't mean that she has some sort of religious qualification or checks boxes in terms of being a spiritual person um, in order to really take that on in a personal way. And what I noticed yesterday in some great coverage from outlets like Christianity Today or Religion News Service is that many folks over the years have pointed out that she both had this title just by inheriting it but also really lived into it by um, looking to express her faith in public um, in many different ways, talking about it in the Christmas message, talking about it during the COVID-19 crisis. And it it was clear in those statements that her faith was something that helped guide her um, in the decisions she made. And it wasn't just this title that was um, going to be hers no matter what.
2: Well, she had this authenticity because she lived her life. It was clear, at least to me, and I, you know, I didn't know the intimate details of of her life, but it, it seemed clear to me that she kept her spiritual nose clean. I don't know how else to say it. Like she she lived her life with a moral compass that allowed her to have some authority on matters of faith.
3: Right. So you can see how a monarch might be judged uh, by how seriously they took their uh, more secular duties. Like, did they they understand the seriousness of the role they were playing in the country and in the world? And I think what strikes me about Queen Elizabeth is that she seemed to also take this religious role very seriously, um, that she wanted to do right by the Church of England, um, that she wanted to open up some of her private religious life in order to help people understand why the church was significant to her.
1: So we have, like you mentioned, Scott, seen how people have been critical about the upcoming royals and how they will kind of adjust to the head of state role. But I haven't heard very much about Charles's spirituality or how he might step into Sorry, King Charles's spirituality. It's okay in America, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I miss Shock. a title you every go once Chuck, in a while. Probably be okay.
3: <laughs> That's why I almost find myself saying Queen Elizabeth II, like very yeah, formal, but yes. Um, but So I'm curious, have, has there been any discussion about his
1: spirituality or where he may fit into this role in in terms of his, ne- his new responsibility with the Church of England?
3: That's a story idea that I am obsessed with. I would love to look <laughs> more into that. So far, I think the focus has been on... Queen Elizabeth and looking backwards, um, I I think probably where that comes from is that in the types of uh, statements she was making about her faith, it was usually in a forum that only she had access to, mm-hmm. like that Christmas message, um, or at a very official event celebrating her. And so now King Charles, he hasn't had those same opportunities to have True. like, here's this big party where I'm going to talk about my religion. So I think that if I had to guess, he would take the role very seriously, just like his mother did. And we'll just have to wait and see if he's willing to give us a piece. Behind the curtain and talk more,
2: but there's this sort of division in his life that didn't exist in her life, and and even you know there were, they wrestled their way through this notion of divorce. That mm-hmm. was one thing, and it was it was a re, the religiosity of that decision that that the kingdom kind of had to grapple with.
1: I
3: don't know. know. Didn't they start the Church of England for a divorce? That's exactly It's it's almost like that is their history. Oh, sure, sure. (laughs) No, that's that's a great point to bring up. And I actually was just revisiting an article I wrote when um, Meghan Markle was getting married to Harry and how she had to be baptized into the, the Church of England before sort of the official ceremonies were taking place. And I, I get where maybe the authenticity question comes up a little bit more with these future generations because the entire world of religion is changing and religion isn't a given anymore um, that people just don't seem to have it as a core part of their daily life.
2: Well, you said it in your article. Her her faith was not performative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I worry and i think that's yeah. what we're all looking for in the next generation of royals mm-hmm. is if if they can and i think charles has kind of put his life better together like he's figured out how to find alignment you know with there's who, who he is. is there's been some
1: rehabilitation there there's been enough if, time
2: yeah there he's he's cleaned it up cleaned it up a little bit but i i just worry you know that that he'll be it'll be easy for people to pick him apart because he's just playing a role right rather than living it
3: yeah but It depends on how long, I guess, he holds uh, this title, like how long we get to know. I mean, again, it wasn't until I think 2000 that people really highlighted that Queen Elizabeth was really diving into faith in her Christmas message, and that was decades into her leadership. And so it may not happen overnight that we get this perfect snapshot of him as a religious man, but I think that you just look for the signals over time. That's a fair point. That's a fair point.
1: Maybe we'll get to see him. Maybe we won't. Maybe he'll just slow roll us.
3: Hey, but there's got to be some little tendrils I can follow up on in the next couple days and just say, hey, what's going on with this guy?
1: Yeah, totally. Really quickly... What have other religious leaders said about the queen following her death? What role has she played internationally?
3: Oh, yes. I mean, I'm sure that many listeners saw that the first presidency from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints sent a message um, sort of uh, talking about Queen Elizabeth's leadership and then also sending their comfort to the family. Same with Pope Francis, the sort of head of the Catholic Church. And um, so it was just notable that there were leaders from all types of faiths that were weighing in. That's good to know.
2: Yeah, I... I, uh... This will be very interesting to see. Kelsey, I can't wait for the next stories because I think there will be a lot to talk about in the coming days as he assumes this mantle. I mean, even the coronation itself is a religious rite, you know, and, and it will be fascinating to see how this all plays out mm-hmm. for sure. Well, coming up, we're going to sh- shift gears and talk about something, Kate, that was a little disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have uh, veterans that have served our country that have been deported and it's numbers that i didn't imagine before and we're going to talk about these deported veterans and what the current administration and previous administrations have done with them after the break
0: i'm dave cawley investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold don't miss cold's new season three where i look into the unsolved disappearance of sheree warren a woman last seen leaving her job at a salt lake city office in 1985